We are in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, continuing this, this season of looking carefully at faith. We don't know when the song Gospel Plow was written. We do know that it dates back at least to the 1800s, probably uh, was a hymn sung among slaves in the South um, before the Civil War. Um, but it's had a lot of iterations over the years. It's had different names, one of which um, was developed during the days of the Civil Rights era. And listen to stanza from that version of the song. When my way gets dark as night, I know the Lord will be my light. Keep your hand on the plow. Hold on. We talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus uh, spoke that any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. We must go forward in the Christian life. If we are to live this life the way that God intends us, we must keep our eyes ahead. We cannot look back. We cannot take our hand off the plow. We cannot give up. We must run our race with endurance. That's exactly what the passage this morning talks about. Hebrews chapter 12. Why don't you stand with me as we read these verses together? Hebrews 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is God's word. If you let it, it'll change your life. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Father, this is your word. Speak to us in this time. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Hebrews 11 gave us the hall of faith. I talked about it being like game film, that, that, that you go back and you watch what prior teams had done and, and what those who came before you did, and we got to see some faith and real action. I hope that over the course of the last couple of weeks, you've had some time to look through the chapter and see what faith looks like in practice, because faith isn't just what you say, and it's not just what you think, it's what you do. Um, I quoted uh, from Rich Mullins in Sunday School. Faith without works, like a song you can't sing. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. We gotta actually live this faith. Yeah, I know, it doesn't make sense. That's the point, right? Okay. He's like, what? Hebrews 11 shows us faith in action. And it shows us some, some of the heroes of the faith and some of the things they did were incredible. And some of the things that they endured were terrible. But yet through all of it, they're demonstrating faith and we're watching the game with them and we're seeing all this faith play out before us. But now it's our time to get into the game, 
Carrie asked me this week, can we quit with the football references? No. <laughs> the reason being, because Paul uses a sports analogy here. He's drawing us in by showing us what it looks like to live this life of faith. And it's like an athlete competing. Look, look, in, look in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses, he says, the, the, the cloud was a picture of a massive throng of people, and they're all united in what they're rooting for. We have, as you walk into the stadium, you see such an amazing group of people in the stands. Now, when I, when I played soccer in my seventh grade year, uh, we played in the City League, and so there weren't massive throngs of people in the stands. There were probably as many people in the stands as were out on the field, maybe a couple more. Parents came to watch their children, right? I don't know what it's like to perform in front of massive audiences, and not in any kind of athletic endeavor, for sure. All I know is what I hear from athletes who do. And they'll tell you, there's something about crowd. There's something about a home crowd. When you walk out and they're rooting for you, it just makes your adrenaline pump faster and it makes you just wanna, just wanna fight hard, just wanna play better. It, it, it makes you as a player just elevate your game for that crowd. So I want you to picture for just a moment the crowd that Paul, that uh, the writer of Hebrews, not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews is telling us about. He says that there's this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Look around the stadium, and maybe you'll find some faces you recognize. Maybe, maybe over here is, is Abraham. He's with his wife, Sarah and Isaac, and they're laughing and joking, having a great time. A few seats down and over to the side, you can see David and his whole entourage, man. Have you ever read the Sons of David? There's like 18 of them, I think, or something like that. Like, you're a crazy number. And all of them just all sitting around, and they're in their box suite. You can even see Mephibosheth over there enjoying the game. Over on this side, there's Ruth and Boaz. They both have those giant foam fingers, you know, the number one fingers, and they're, they're cheering in the stands. Right here on the 50-yard line, there's, there's several ladies, Mary Magdalene and, and, and maybe the mother of Jesus. And, and it, is that Salome right there with them? Right there. Get a great view. There's even a section over here of, uh, of some of the great theologians of the Reformation with their funny hats and their long beards. If you've ever seen pictures of some of the reformers, you know what I'm talking about. They all wore funny hats and almost all of them had beards, just massive beards. Countless faithful followers of Jesus throughout all the ages. Maybe even if you look in the right spot, you can spot some of your family that's gone on. Moms or dads, grandparents, maybe an old Sunday school teacher from the church when you were knee-high to a grasshopper, just learning about Jesus. Do you see them? And listen to them. Listen. They're cheering for you. Malcolm, they're cheering for you. They're cheering for you, Scotty. They're cheering for you, James. And you, Lacey. They're cheering for you. You're the one they're cheering for. Sometimes things are tough. Sometimes sickness just beats you down 
disease lingers and weakens you so much that you don't know if you can carry on. Aches and pains take their toll. Children make bad mistakes and it rips your heart out. Your prayers seem to bounce off the ceiling right back at you. You feel like they'll never be enough. Listen to the crowd. They're chanting for you. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. They're cheering for you. They know how hard it is because they've been there. They know the struggle because they've endured it themselves. Take heart from the crowd, Christian. Take a moment to let them encourage you. No matter what the struggle is you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, listen to that crowd and let them give you the courage that you lack. Bonhoeffer said, the Christ in the word of my brother is often greater than the Christ in my own heart. Listen to your brothers and sisters throughout the ages and take heart, child of God. Keep the faith. Run with endurance. Then he says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, have you ever seen an athlete wearing expensive jewelry and carrying massively sized books out onto the field of competition? Not usually. No, they got enough to worry about. There's no time to read. And there's certainly, there's certainly no desire to ruin that $5,000 Rolex that they got from their latest advertising deal. No, 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 you leave all that stuff in the locker. You, you take that stuff off and you put it away before you even enter the field. You see, because some things might be good in their place, but when it comes to living the Christian life, they are not good. They are hindrances. They are distractions. They are things that will weigh you down and prevent you from, from performing your best. Don't carry all the extra baggage. Take it off. And it can be good things. It can be bad things. The more weight you carry and the more sin you continue to drag around with you, the less effective you'll be for God's kingdom. You really want to run your race with endurance? Get rid of the sins and the things that hinder you. Perhaps that's an attitude when it says, I deserve. Maybe it's a false conception that you're too good for all this. Man, this is for the birds, man. This isn't worth my time. Or maybe it's the opposite conception that I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough, so why even bother trying? Maybe it's a tendency to gossip. You just need to keep your mouth shut. Maybe, maybe you don't set good boundaries and you let people take advantage of you. Maybe you're too worried about the things you have or about getting something that you don't have. There's all kinds of hindrances. There's all kinds of sins which ensnare us. Get rid of it. It ain't worth holding. Look, look, at, what, look at what Paul says to the Philippian church in Philippians 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. But then he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's, he's going he's to lay it out here. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to a law, Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. In other words, come at me, bro. I've got all the credentials and more. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. Let me show you what all I could be bragging on right now. But then he says, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. You know how hard it is to count gains as loss? What could drive a man to think everything that I pursued and everything that I wanted and everything that I built my life on, I now consider it, he'll later say, rubbish, trash, dung. Christ, that's what, or that's who. You see, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All I once thought gain is loss compared to Jesus. Good things, bad things, doesn't matter. It's all trash. We got to throw them away on. We can't hold on to them. It doesn't matter how much we like them. It doesn't matter how easy it is to keep them, to pet them, to nurture them, to hold them close to us. God's called us to live a life of faith. They've got to go. And the, what, the best way to get rid of them is to find something more valuable. If you dig up a tree in your yard, you're going to have a massive hole where all the roots were. Right? You can leave the hole there if you want, but it's only going to cause problems. You need to fill the hole in. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The, the hole that we have is not that great. <laughs> the stuff that we're getting rid of is not that terrific. It seems like it sometimes because it's all these accolades and trophies and all these things we brag about. But it's not worth jack squat compared to Jesus Christ. And if you think it's worth jack squat compared to Christ, you ain't seen Christ. Because when you look at him, you see what that truly is. No, no we need to find something better. Looking to Jesus. This is where faith really happens. Those three words. Repentance is turning away and turning and going a different way. It's a basic idea. Turning away from sin to God. I'm no longer going to pursue those things. I'm now going to follow Christ. That is biblical repentance. And that's where faith happens. Because when you take your eyes off of the junk that's hindering you, when you take your eyes off of the sin that clings to you and doesn't want to let you go, when you take your eyes off the weights and the burdens that wear you down, and you look to Jesus, faith. When we take our eyes off everything else and put them squarely on Jesus, he captivates our attention. Every fear, every doubt, every anxiety, a bit of rage, every Every ounce of jealousy, every boasting, act of selfishness, thought of pride, desire of lust, and anything else you can think of too, it all suddenly becomes putrid. We must focus on Jesus Christ. and We must stay focused on him. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That word founder 
your, your version may have author. The idea is one of a pioneer. It's one of a trailblazer. It's one who goes before and prepares the way to, uh, for others to follow in his steps. And he's trailblazed. He's gone where no man has gone before. We read earlier in Hebrews, how he, he goes into the real temple, the holy of holies in heaven, God's very throne room, and makes sacrifice for our sins. And because of him, we're able to walk in there too. He's the pioneer. He's the means whereby our faith is even possible. We have no faith without Jesus Christ. We must fix our eyes on the one from whom our faith comes, that we may receive the faith we need for whatever lies ahead. That, that word looking, right there, looking to Jesus, it is not just glancing. It is turning every bit of our attention and focusing solely on him. I like the way one version puts it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This is my prayer for Brantley every night. I pray a Bible verse over each of my kids. It's actually a passage over Mitchell. I kind of pray several verses over him because he needs more. Uh, but for, for Brantley, this is what I pray. And I promise you, I didn't promise that. I, I didn't plan that out. I put this stuff together months and months and months ago. And this was the passage I was going to be at this morning. When it came time for him to be baptized, we picked a date. I didn't even consult the preaching list. I didn't even, I didn't even look. And yet here it is. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer of our faith, but also the perfecter of our faith, the culmination of it. It's not just that Jesus starts it. But he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, right? So he not only starts the faith, he brings it to its fullness in us. He makes it, he makes it perfect. God working in us through his Son by his indwelling Holy Spirit. All of God is involved in making you faithful. And you're going to quit your race early just because it's hard? You've got all of God on your side. You've got, you've got every member of the Trinity with you in this. You've got a great crowd of witnesses that's cheering you on. Don't quit. Stay focused. When it comes to faith, Jesus is the A to Z. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. Every letter in between. He's the first. He's the last. And as Barry White would say, my everything. Jesus is also the model of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. We are called to endure. And the way we can endure is because he did. Endured the cross, despising the shame. And then look at verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. We have an enduring Savior, not just one who comes and does a little bit of work and then says, all right, see you guys later. We have a Savior that sees his work to the very end, and the very end wasn't the cross, and it wasn't even rising from the grave. The very end is to come yet in glory when he finishes his work and perfects us. Can you turn this down just a hair, getting a bit of feedback? Thank you. You are awesome. Look how he endured Throughout his life, throughout his death, still endures even today. 
still making intercession for the saints, still sacrificing for our sins. He's, he's given the sacrifice, but he is still at the right hand of God, being our high priest. He hasn't quit on us. 80 and six years, I think Polycarp said, followed Christ and he has never forsaken me. And he still has never forsaken any of his own. When we face hostility, we cannot become weary or give up. We must patiently endure. When we're mocked or scorned for our faith in Christ, we cannot retaliate. We must patiently endure. When we give of ourselves and seek the other person's good, but they abuse us and take us for granted, we must patiently endure. When we try to teach the right way, but they're slow to learn, we must patiently endure. If we don't endure, we're not going to be like Christ. We won't finish our race. The highway of Christ's likeness runs directly through the town of endurance. And I hate to tell you this, but it's a longer ride than I tend through Texas. To be like Jesus, we must endure. Look back at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you notice, do you notice the change? Endured is past tense, but the victory is present. Do you notice that? He's seated right now. It's not he will be seated one day. Not he's planning on doing it, but he just hasn't gotten around to it. or Like he's trying to work it out, but, but there's still some demons that are preventing him from taking his seat. Not that this world just isn't good enough, and when we finally shape up, he's going to take his seat. No, he's already seated in the present, in the ever-present, by the way. Jesus won because he never quit. The saints in the stands are cheering you on. They had faith and never quit. And lots of people who quit. Don't you go quitting on Jesus. Keep your hand on the plot. Hold on. Father, I pray that we would endure and run our race until we're finished. As we prepare to take this offering, pray that this would be the time that you would work in us Show us where we need some endurance. Help us hear the encouragement of the saints who've gone before us. Help us live for you every day. Help us not worry about what other people are doing or saying. Not fret about how bad things look. Help us endure and stay focused on Christ. Thank you for all you do. Be honored by this offering. May it bring you praise. May we continue to follow you in days to come. Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.